Good afternoon. Welcome in once again. Jimmy B and TC on the air with you on a Friday, though a football Friday normally. Not a lot of football, more of a basketball Friday here. We got hockey to get into. We got some hoops. We always touch on a little bit of football, Jimmy B. We are set up for a big one. Power pack program for you here on a Friday. Trent, how are you, my man? And did you enjoy the hockey game last night? Yeah, it was entertaining, Jim. I, I really did. It's a series that certainly did not cap- uh, captivate me. It was, it was okay. It was fine. But game five was a good one. I was very entertained, back and forth affair. Though my hope of uh, Vegas getting that game five and pushing to game six didn't happen. Entertaining, and there's something about the Stanley Cup, Jimmy B, as they bring it out there yeah. on the ice. You got the guy that has the white gloves on as he brings it out there. and <laughs> I, I love the moment. You know, a lot of people talk about the handshake line, and that's all well and good, and yes, yeah, sportsmanship, that, that's wonderful. But that aside, I, I really just, I always enjoy when they got the cup, and then as a team, they all slide together, and they're taking the picture with the cup in front of them, laying on the ice. There's something about that moment. It gets me every single time. You know, it's. I'll tell you what what tore me up, and it was the interview, and I forget which player, if it was T.J. Oshie or another player, and forgive me for that, but he brought his father onto the ice, who is suffering from Alzheimer's mm. and struggles. He's already in that dementia area right now, and he struggles to uh, remember things. And they took a selfie together out on the ice holding the Stanley Cup. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I teared up. Mm. I, I really did. That was emotional for me as hell uh, because I've known people with, with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, and it's just a dreadful disease, uh, your body's fine and you just lose your mind. It's, it's just awful. But... That particular moment for me was, I, I guess, just just heartbreaking, and yet I was so happy for both of them, just from the standpoint of, A, what they had accomplished, and B, that that picture that they can uh, give to their dad, and at least maybe that will trigger the memory, at least for a moment, with everything that that family now is going through. It was uh, another cool moment in a, a World Cup, uh, World Cup, a Stanley Cup for Washington. So they made it 20 years ago, Jimmy B. Got promptly swept yeah. by Detroit in that one. Their first ever cup. Uh, and for many people, this, this gets Alex Ovechkin off the hook, if you will. Breaking through yes. the Stanley Cup final is one thing. Where does this put him? Where, where does this put him as a hockey guy? I don't have the reference. And I know the greats. I know the elites, the Bobby Orr's, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Mario Lemieux's, mm-hmm. you know, guys like yep. that. But I, is he now a, a top 50 player, a top 20 player? Top? I, I just I don't have the frame of reference. Can you help me out, out at all here? I'll, I'll do the best I can for you without really, you know, trying to look up names as quickly as I can. And you did reference Gretzky and Lemieux, but there's there's so many more. And or you said, but you could go back to uh, Gordy Howe, yep. to Henri Richard, to Maurice Richard. I, I mean, it, it just it just goes on and on and on. The great names that have skated throughout the NHL and have appeared in Stanley Cup Finals and have broken through and finally won a cup. 
Uh, Mark Messier is a perfect example. Ranger fans will remember that when the Rangers hadn't won forever and and Messier guaranteed that he did a Joe Namath and guaranteed that they would win that next game and they did and they won the cup. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. It's much more difficult because of ice skating as compared to running on a football field or hitting a baseball or on a basketball court dribbling and shooting and passing and rebounding it's just a totally different type sport because you're not doing it on your feet you're doing it on skates and that changes the entire dynamic of everything so I would I would say that he would break through into the top 50. Okay. Uh, look, Sergei Fedorov was supposed to be the greatest Russian player to play. I think Ovi probably has passed him, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, you know that's that's kind of where I am with with all of that. I, I thought I thought the guy being the captain and the way that he handled himself throughout the entire playoff run. And remember, Trent, they trailed. They trailed at every playoff round and yet came back and won. So including winning at Tampa on the road in a Game 7 and then winning last night on the road in Las Vegas. It's pretty impressive stuff for the Washington Capitals. It really is. Well, we get a NBA final. We're going to talk with that coming up here as we'll take an early break. Plenty of time to talk with Zubin Mahente of ESPN. Jimmy B, uh, are we going to get a Game 5? I'm hopeful. I predicted it beforehand. Yeah. I don't yeah. feel still overly confident about it, though. <laughs> I'm not overly confident yeah. either. Um, I, I was under the impression that, you know, the when they got back to Cleveland, that that might be the game that they might be able to steal. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. You know, uh, Durant just went off and, and ruined that one. So if you're a Cavs fan, I, I just I just hope that Golden State doesn't get out quickly and they're up 15 right. and the Cavs, you know, all right, we're, we're over, done. We're yeah. not going to get yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, reality sets in and then they just go through the motions and get it over with. I hope that's not the case. They are professionals. I believe that they will come out and play hard. I do believe that. But I'm like you as a basketball fan. I'd love to see another game. I I really would. Will we get it? We will see. And one note on the uh, local front, we knew for a while that I was going to be playing out basketball in New York City coming up during the non-conference portion of the schedule. Uh Uh, UConn, Syracuse, and Oregon, the other three teams that will advance to the championship round, if you will. They'll play a couple of games early on in Carver that are part of that exempt event. I know one of them, uh, UW-Green Bay, will be coming in for one of those uh, two games in Carver-Hawkeye. But it was announced today that they're going to open up and they'll get the Ducks from Oregon. So get to see old friend Dana Altman again uh, going up Mm -hmm. against the Hawkeyes. And that should be a nice uh, chance at a, a quality victory. We'll know early on about this Iowa team. Oregon, pretty much across the board, a preseason top 25 team. They are, and uh, look, Dane Altman, we know he can coach uh, because he's had the Ducks uh, in the tournament uh, almost from the get-go since he got to the University of Oregon in beautiful Eugene, Oregon, when it's not raining. And from that standpoint, I think you're right, Trent. I, I, I know it's early in the season, but yet they would have had to play enough games where you would start to get a feel of both teams. Mm-hmm. So from that aspect, neutral court, I think it'll be a real good matchup, and we'll get an idea 
not only about the Hawks, but also about the Ducks as well. Good measuring stick game early on for yes. the Hawkeyes and see where they are. Win or lose, they'll play then either Syracuse or UConn in the next round, either for the championship or for third place and that event out in New York City. With that, Jimmy B, let's take an early break so we got plenty of time to talk with Zubin Mahente. What do you say? Sounds like a plan to me, pal. Let's do it right now, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll head to beautiful Bristol, Connecticut, and talk to our guy, Zuba Mahente. It's all coming up next, right here on the Big Talker 1700. We continue to 6 o'clock tonight right here on the Big Talker 1700. Always good when we get a chance to catch up with Zuba Mahente ESPN. He joins us right here on the Big Talker 1700. Zubin, uh, look, this has been really kind of disappointing. Game one was the best game, although the overtime in the NBA Finals, it wasn't that good, but it certainly was compelling during regulation. The Cavs have shown a little bit of firepower once in a while, but just not enough. Zubin does it in tonight, or does Cleveland find a way to go off tonight to extend it to another game? I would think it would be great if we could just have one just because for LeBron's legacy, you don't want to be swept twice in the finals. Only three MVPs have been swept multiple times in the finals. He would be the fourth. The list is incredible. It's like, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There's guys like on the list like Wes Unseld. But you just don't want to find yourself on that group. Normally, to be involved with those names would be great. But I just think a sweep, for whatever reason... It would just be a bookend for LeBron because our Keith Olbermann did an essay a couple days ago on if LeBron is possibly, you never know, because you never know what the future holds, is he playing in his final finals? And if that's the case, do you want to be swept in 07 in your first one and swept in potentially your last one? And you know the way society works, uh, we just tend to remember what happened latest. I think we'll remember LeBron for his greatness no matter when it ends. He certainly seems like he's got... Honestly, four or five years left if he really wanted at this level. But I think there's just something about a final sweep for a second time. Granted, these are probably the two worst teams he's ever taken to the final, so it's not too much of a surprise that they could both be sweeps. But, Jim, I would quibble with you in one quick way. I think if there's one sort of shining light or silver lining to the finals, and you're right, they haven't been super exciting, I would say game one gave us incredible drama. Game two gave us Steph Curry's 9-3, something we've never seen before. And game three gave us perhaps the best postseason game Kevin Durant has ever played. So I think from that perspective, while it's not as exciting as games going down to the wire like 5, 6, and 7 in 2016, I still think each game, as evidenced by what I just mentioned, I think each game has had something really interesting happen to keep your interest even in a blog. Game two is a 19-point game. But people couldn't look away from Curry hitting nine threes, right. and then the next game, he misses nine threes. So I think there's been a lot of drama, um, even if the results haven't been as scintillating as people would think. Hasn't been uh, the series that many people were hoping for. It's the fourth rendition of it. Is fatigue really setting in? Because my argument is still no. Because if you swap these teams out and you put Houston, and it's Houston-Cleveland, I think the ratings are much lower. Even if you put Boston in there with all that young talent against Golden State, I think the ratings are lower. I, I think people look at it in a way where eh, maybe it's down slightly from what it was the last couple of years. That's not the way to look at it, at least in my mind. Where do you go, at least as it pertains to TV ratings and, and the malaise that might be going over with the fourth straight edition? 
I don't think there's so much fatigue. I just think it's one of those things where when you're on the biggest stage in your sport, you got to have familiarity. Um, and I think these are the two most familiar teams to ca- uh, avid slash casual NBA fans. A lot of casual NBA fans would have to get themselves up to speed on the Rockets. You know, Jim and I watch the NBA every night, and if you love the NBA, that's certainly secondhand. But if this is on ABC, this is on the broadcast network, this is intended to bring in a larger general audience, familiarity always helps in those situations. It's sort of like the hockey last night. Great, great story. Vegas and Alexander Ovechkin finally getting there at 32. But a lot of the casual audience, they definitely may have heard of the Vegas story because it's transcendent sports. But as great as Ovi is, as great as he is, the Conn Smythe winner finally getting it done on the biggest stage in hockey, there are a lot of casual fans. They may have tuned in last night because there was no NBA. And if your baseball team's not playing, this is the biggest thing in sports on TV last night. And you may never heard of Alexander Ovechkin. It sounds funny to maybe your listeners and us because we love sports and we work in sports and all that sort of stuff. But that's where it's the finals to me. You don't want that Alex Ovechkin factor. Alex Ovechkin is sort of like James Harden and Chris Paul, known to a lot of people, but almost everybody, whether you're a big sports fan or not, has heard of LeBron. And if you're interested in just tuning in, the Warriors might just suck you in with the way that they play. You may not know much about pace or tempo or threes, but there is something alluring when you watch them. So I agree with you. Familiarity is A, number one when it comes to ratings. People are not going to get tired of Duke being in the Final Four and ask for somebody else out of the ACC. So to bring the general fan base, you got to have familiarity. And I think these are the two most familiar outfits uh, in the NBA. And as LeBron has openly said, if somebody wants to switch up the Finals, then somebody's going to have to beat both of us. And for the last four years, nobody's been able to do that. That's exactly right, Zub, and Zub Mahente ESPN is our guest. Okay, so we would like to have it extend and not end tonight because we are basketball fans and we want to we watch it, it, it take place and unfold. The question after that, will he or won't he, Zubin? Inside sources at ESPN, where's he going? You can tell just uh, Trent and myself. <laughs> If I knew, I'd be on my way to Vegas, and Trent would probably be right behind yeah. me in that game. But <laughs> literally and figuratively. But no, um, I don't think anybody has any indication at this point. You know, I saw Mark Stein, who I have a lot of respect for, put out a story earlier today, and I worked with Mark for a long time. He said some things. Vegas has their odds out already. I don't think anybody knows. The one thing I think that nobody's talking about, and nobody really cares about this, but I think this is interesting with LeBron, is that whether it's Philadelphia with their front office situation, obviously now muddled. Houston, I mean, remember Daryl Morey? They told him he couldn't get Dwight. He couldn't get CP3. He couldn't get Harden. He got them all. So I wouldn't count them out. Obviously, the Lakers should probably bring in one, if not more, max free agents. Um, you know, Paul George is also out there. But the one thing I think that's interesting is that Ty Lue was brought in to coach LeBron. Uh, David Blatt was hired when the Cavs did not have LeBron. And... Lou basically was able to sit there and say to LeBron, hey, um, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to make you better. He's the highest paid assistant in the NBA. LeBron signed off essentially on Lou joining. So if LeBron were to leave, even though I think this would get a fraction of the attention, I think what would happen to Cleveland and Lou would be just as interesting. Now, he's obviously proved his coaching bona fide within one and a half years. He won an NBA title. Uh, Yes, he had LeBron, but I think 
people that say having LeBron is the easiest job in the NBA, I think it's just the opposite. I think it's one of the most difficult. And unless he respects you, and he clearly didn't respect David Blatt, it can get very, very difficult. But to me, whatever happens to LeBron happens. It is amazing to think one player, one player, could rock the foundation of the entire league. Wherever he goes, there's going to be a seismic shift in that conference, wherever it is, just shows you the power of LeBron James. But I think it would also be very, very interesting if he were to leave Cleveland, what it would actually mean for the rest of the Cavs and the man that probably has benefited the most from being around LeBron, and that's Ty Luke. All right, Zubin. So uh, we got a lot of NBA this summer after this thing finishes up tonight, Monday night, whatever it is, there'll be plenty to talk about. But if it is tonight that it ends, you've been doing a great job. I've been watching throughout the finals, flipping over after the game, ESPN2, ESPN News. You're doing a show with the press conferences on the mic. Loved uh, being able to hear all the press conferences and the interaction that you've had in between. For people that have missed us, missed it, give it a little plug and and what people can look for tonight. Uh, Trent, you might get an assist in the box score for this, oh, unofficial. Nice, nice, but nice. no, I would say no. I think it's one of those things where um, this might be the final one, as we've kind of been referencing. So if you miss it tonight, you might miss them all. But honestly, it's strangely intriguing TV. Number one, it's just informative, as you mentioned. We're on after every game, as soon as the game ends, on either ESPN two or. ESPN News, there's so many live events happening at this time of year, uh, and collegiately especially, that kind of hold us back. But generally, we're on ESPN 2 right after the game. And if Curry hits nine threes, you know, we'll have everything from Curry. If JR calls a timeout or doesn't call a timeout or doesn't know what the score is, you'll hear from JR. You'll hear from Kevin Durant. You know, Curry misses nine threes, we'll have it. But there's something strangely intriguing about watching these things. When the guy walks in, it's a total fashion statement. Um, after game two, the final question was asked by the San Francisco Chronicle style section reporter <laughs> on Draymond Green. So there's a lot of interesting yeah. things, and you might not think this is interesting um, from a TV aspect, but our research definitely says this. What do sports fans want more than anything? They want to feel like they're there. Like if you're watching a baseball game, you want to hear the crack of the bat. You want to hear the ball into the glove. You want to hear the chatting behind the batting cages if you're watching baseball tonight or wherever your local baseball team is. You want to hear and feel all that stuff. You don't want it all drowned out by music. I want to hear those indelible sounds that make sure that I know I'm at a baseball game. And I think it's the same for the NBA. So they've told us, sorry, let's say LeBron James is done speaking. Or last night, uh, the other night it was like Curry and Draymond or Ty Lue or Steve Kerr. When they're done, nine times out of ten in a press conference that you watch on TV, we just sort of, okay, that's Steve Kerr, there's Ty Lue, and then we just talk about something else and wait for the next person. In these, we're specifically instructed to let the person get up, walk off the podium, walk down the stairs, and walk out of the room, and you see all the cameras, the lights, the reporters. And again, it might be just something very nominal for me or you. We've been very fortunate to go to a million press conferences and to be a part of all this stuff over the years. But for the general viewer who's not at the game, they're just watching at home, it gives you a scope of what it's like to be there, to be in the same room as LeBron James, to be in the same room as Draymond Green. And it's just those little things that TV can bring. So we'll have every single person speaking in their entirety, and we'll probably have Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon too, because if it's an especially tough loss tonight, I don't think guys are going to be so eager to run out to the podium and talk to everybody. They're going to want to internalize it a little bit. But if you have an opportunity... Uh, it'll be ESPN2 right after the game, win or lose, no matter what happens, series over, series extended. And we've gotten tremendous response here um, ever since the conference finals, actually, in each league, uh, in each conference, rather. So 
I appreciate you letting me do the plug, but I think it's actually some really interesting stuff. And let's, let's be honest, if this is a loss to the Cavs tonight, and this is possibly LeBron's final postseason game or game period yep. with the Cavs in yep. his second go-around, it might be very interesting to hear his cathartic thoughts. I don't think he's going to sit there at the podium and announce what he's doing right there, <laughs> but just to kind of get a lay of the land and to sense his mentality after he might deep down in the recesses of his mind, even if he doesn't say it, he might know, like, wow, this is the last time I'm going to walk into this building or walk out of this building representing the Cavs. So I think it could be really, really interesting, even from a psychological standpoint. I agree with that aspect. Okay, before we let you run, quickly to last night's NHL Stanley Cup final and the Washington Capitals, a franchise that has been in business, Zubin, as you well know, 44 years, went to one final and lost, and Alexander Ovechkin, a absolutely dominant hockey player since he joined the National Hockey League from Russia, finally, finally gets the monkey off his back and he gets to raise the Stanley Cup. Your thoughts on Ovi and also the Washington Capitals finally breaking through? I think two things. I mean, mostly for Ovi. With all due respect to the Caps, they have an unbelievable fan base. Shout out to Pat Sajak. Shout out to Wolf Blitzer, all their great fans over the years that they've been able to bring to the table. But the two things that really stand out to me are this. One, a couple of years ago, a lot of people, a lot of people in hockey were saying it might be time to trade Alexander Ovechkin. Now, a lot of people don't bring this up because, obviously, after last night, why would you bring something like that up? But it was very in vogue when they just could not get past the Penguins, their bugaboo. They just could not get over that hurdle. And a lot of prominent people, the biggest people in hockey that do analysis, came out and said, it's time to think about moving him. And to do it at 32 is amazing. That's one. Secondly, I would say this. I love Coach Trotz, and you and I all know that, you know, <laughs> coaching longevity in the NHL don't exactly go together. But this team fell behind 2-0 in the first round at home. They trailed in every single postgame series. Think about that. They were down 2-0 to Columbus in the first round, dropped both games at home. Here we go. Same old Caps, Caps going to cap, the whole sort of thing. Then they advanced, and in each subsequent series, including the Stanley Cup final, they trail in every single series, and they win the whole thing. To me, if that's not earning it, Jim, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'm, it was great. Great stuff. Zubin, go ahead, Trent. Yeah, last thing from uh, me on, on the hockey front. Where does he rank for you as an all-timer, top Top 10, top 20. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. I, I'm not a, a hockey savant by any means. Where does this put him now with the Stanley Cup victory? Well, I would say I'm right there with you as not a hockey savant. So we're, in the, we're in the box together on that one. But, no, I just honestly think it's one of those moments where for him, I think for a lot of other players, like in his final NHL game, I'm, guys, I'm sure you guys remember this, but in his final NHL game, Ray Bork won the Stanley Cup, but he was with yep. the Colorado Avalanche, right? He's been almost his entire yes. career with the Boston Bruins and won the Cup in his final NHL game. In my opinion, I'm not Don Cherry or even Barry, but in my opinion, I would tell you that if that never happened for Bork, he would still go down as one of the greatest players in the history of the league and right up there, obviously, with Bobby Orr as one of the greatest Bruins of all time. For Ovechkin, I think the situation is different because you saw the skill level 
you saw the failures. So to me, this puts him in the pantheon only because it was honestly the only thing missing. There have been some Olympic disappointments, but there have also been some incredibly gratifying things with Russia. But if I look at a guy like Bork and I say, you know what, the longevity, the incredible play, the consistency, hey, it's not his fault that they didn't win a cup. I would have given him a pass even though he got it. But when you have the skill level of Oveskin and the team is built around you and you are primarily an offensive player, unlike Bork, and you are primarily an offensive player and you've been oh so close and your contemporaries are sliding past you at every turn, to me, he had to get it to validate him. I don't think that's fair, but I think in the era in which he plays and the position in which he plays, I think he had to get it to get that nod to get into the most elite of rooms where other people just as talented, just as legendary, I'd be willing to give a pass to. But I think he had to get this one to get him to where he is. And let's be honest, he's 32. If it didn't happen this year, they've already put out the odds for next year. Is Tampa's a favorite and Vegas is going to be right back in it? You're not getting any faster at 32. So if this didn't happen this year, I'm not sure if ever would have happened. And there's just nothing like, and I'm sure a million people have said this, I'm sure this happened on Ken's show earlier today, Trent, there is nothing like raising that Stanley Cup over your head. I mean, look, if the Warriors hoist the Larry O'Brien tonight, it'll be great. And the Lombardi Trophy in the NFL is amazing. But there's just nothing like watching it be passed from guy to guy and being held over your head um, the way that that trophy is, knowing you can't touch it unless you win it. It's just, it's just so magical. I know hockey so down the list of priorities for many of us, but that celebration is up there, and I'm not going to fault the Warriors for anything that happens tonight. They've earned it three and four years if they get it. But there's just something about the way that, that trophy, those hands, and the looks on their faces when they hoist it, it's unlike anything in sports. It feels like the World Cup trophy. It feels like winning a gold medal in the Olympics. There's just so few things. No amount of money can engender that amount of joy that, that, those, that those guys have on their faces when they take their two hands and lift that thing above their head. I could watch that all night for Roveskin, the Backstrom, the Holpe, the Oshie. It was just, uh, to Kuznetsov, it was unbelievable. Absolutely, Zubin. Thank you, pal. It's always good when you take time with us. You have a great weekend, okay? All right, we'll see you next week. Hopefully see you tonight. Zubin. Yeah. Find That'll him be good. On, yeah. yeah, after the game tonight, you'll be able to check him out and doing great work there, Jimmy B. Have you flipped over after the game and watched Zubin and, and uh, setting up the press I conferences? Have. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a good it's really a good watch. It really is the way that they do it. And they they as soon as they, they take a, a little bit from each person, then they go back to the studio, then they come back to the press conference. I like the way that they are uh, wrapping things up around it. it. It it's highly entertaining. It really is. Does a great job with it, and you can catch it tonight after Game Four of the NBA playoffs. Still more to come here on Jimmy B and TC. We got Wolfgang stopping by a little bit later in the program this afternoon. Also, today is the Hawkeye Swarm as we take a look back with Dr. Stephen Fuller of Fuller Family Dentistry. A look back to the 2015 season, an undefeated run through the regular season at 12-0, and then the end of the season came. We'll get into that with Dr. Fuller a little bit later <laughs> in the program today. Jimmy B and TC on 1700. And we are back. Time to kick out Brinson and welcome in our buddy Wolfgang. You can find him on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. Give him a follow and you can see him tweeting not just about the Hawkeyes, but about the NBA. And well, that's about it. I mean, it, it, your Twitter is 
obviously, Hawkeyes first. You're an NBA guy. What else do you like to tweet about, Wolfgang? Because I got a Twitter story from you from earlier today. Okay, so I've been a horrible tweeter the last two months, three months. I mean, I have been a horrible tweeter. And I'm going on right now so that you will hold me to it. Uh, that's changing. We're going to watch you know, the final game of the NBA playoffs. We're going to find out things to talk about like you and I are on you know, college football coming up, this mm-hmm. and that. So, yes, I'm going to change on Twitter. I've been horrible. Literally horrible the last couple months, few months. So what, what's your story? What's your story on Twitter? So uh, this morning, my buddy, you see those tweets from time to time, you know, tweet something that um, there's all kinds of things that it can do, you know, that, that shows your age without actually seeing your age, you know, things like that. So <laughs> one of them was tweet something if you went to you and I, the people that are there now would have no idea about. And my buddy tweets back, Poor dicks, at Trent Con and myself and the gang's rendition of Lisa Loeb's Stay brought the house down most nights. Yes, at karaoke on Thursday nights, we'd go to Poor Dicks, 32-ounce Coors Light. It was you, always... under, you understand I had no idea where you were going there. Yes, yes. You scared the bleep out of me. Well, this, this, is, this, is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. The people need to know this because I, I've been smiling ear to ear all day long. So, yeah, great memory for my buddy. And, uh, yeah, it's fun we just, you know, being morons and sl- slugging down 32-ounce Coors Lights and singing Lisa Loeb, stay. That, that's not the big deal, though. The big deal, though, is the actual... Lisa Loeb likes the tweet. Lisa Loeb likes that this guy, this nerd, this this dork from Osage, that I was singing her song at Poor Dicks on a Thursday night back in the early 2000s. That made my... Lisa Loeb is liking tweets that I mentioned in Wolfgang. It's a big deal. No, I feel bad here. Is is she the one that was kind of... Did she make the glasses good looking on a... Yeah. I do. I think I might remember her. I'm gonna have to. I don't remember a ton about her. I know the name. I remember going for some reason. Dorky glasses on a chick have become cool uh-huh. now, and I don't know why that is. I have no idea. If you've been watching some of the NBA guys, even yeah. telecast yeah. guys are wearing like Urkel like glasses. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? What's become of that? Is a gal that knew it before it was cool. Seriously, Trent. Exactly. She, she... Lisa Loeb, L O E B. Yes, yes, you got it. Can you sing a song for me, Trent, right off the cuff? Because I know the name, and I know I'd know it if I heard it. I just don't, you know, come on. I'm a little hard rock kind of guy. I play the guitar, so I'm not, you know, that's not my thing. But I can like dorky stuff, too. Trust me, I can like dorky stuff. Nobody wants to hear me sing. Wolfgang, I am an awful, (laughs) awful singer. And I will only sing if I have, oh, probably a good 100 ounces plus of Coors Light in my belly will be the only time that I'll be doing that. <laughs> what, if, so. what if I talk for a minute uh-huh. and you could find the lyrics that you said it in dork guy white voice? <laughs> That's all I have. That's all I have. Wolfgang, I don't think you realize. I, I have a terrible radio voice as is, and you couple that with a terrible singing voice. <laughs> it's not a great combination by any means, yet here I am today. It's uh, You know the song, though. You'll, you hear the song, bring it up after we're done talking here, and you'll say, oh. and so, then just, so rock chicks. I'm talking with my daughter trying to teach her guitar, right? Yeah, yeah. And, again, I like a little bit harder stuff than most people, but I do respect um, Alanis Morissette. Sure. For some damn reason. I don't know why. For some reason, uh, what is it? she was just singing to her boyfriend when her boyfriend cheated on her, and she's just going off. And I was kind of 
showing some people this, and I'm like, I kind of respect that because I don't like a lot of women in rock. I, don't, I just don't. I'm not. I'm not saying I don't like any of them, but I and I kind of respect her and some of her stuff. And I was I was telling people, but Lisa Loeb, what would she pop? Obviously, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it's it's more it's slow down. It was from the Reality Bites soundtrack. You remember the movie Reality Bites? <laughs> yeah, that, that's where now. it came from. It's it's an all timer. It's an all. You're embracing your dork, and I like that. Embrace the dork, man. Uh, it, I've I've learned to do that. I mean, it's not who needs to be cool. You can't be cool. It's impossible to be cool. What I find cool now is the people that don't know they're cool and act, and actually know they're not cool. I like those people. I like people that actually go, I'm a dork, and I really am a dork. Those are the people that I think are cool now. Everybody is in a certain way. I mean, it, the, the people, yeah, that act cool, they're usually kind of douchey, right? I mean, the, the people that, that think they're cool and act cool, they're normally not cool. They're not people I'd like to hang out with. I'm just a normal dude that sings Lisa Loeb at <laughs> 2 in the morning. At poor Dick's on a Thursday night. Oh, no, right. you can't make it. So the new cool is the, the old dork. Yes. How would, how would we put this into words? <laughs> we had no idea we were going here, Trent. No. This is cracking me up, man. At the Wolf- new cool is the dork. At Wolfgang Hawkeye. That's that, that's where we started. You can find Wolfgang over <laughs> right, there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter from now on. Yep. I've been slacking. So you, uh, you mentioned that we'll see the NBA Finals end tonight. It's over. You're... You're making your call. Your boy LeBron gets swept away. I I would hope not. I would hope not. He would just not say. I hope he knows. Everybody knows. He doesn't have enough help. Mm-hmm. I know he goes wink, wink off social media. I know he doesn't. He is so smart. It's ridiculous. He has people around him. His guys that he grew up with that he brought along with him. If you, I think I brought this up to you once before. I know a lot of people think this show sucks. I thought it was cool. Entourage, I don't know if you ever saw it, sure. where he kind of brought up his people. I, I, I liked that show. I did. I know it's probably dorky to say now, like we were just <laughs> talking about. But sorry, I liked it. I, one of the first shows I ever mass-consumed. Like, I couldn't stop watching it. For some reason, it's just cool thinking about, like, if Trent Condon makes it. <laughs> he's making Jim Rome money. Who's he bringing along? You bring along Wolfgang with you, Trent? Oh, I, I'm sure I can find a role for you somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can get yeah. my coffee for me. Well, I don't drink coffee. You can get my Diet Mountain Dew for me every morning. Sure, <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll find something for you. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I've always found that, that storyline great. And, but I'm, I'm, watch, I'm listening you know, to LeBron. I'm listening to Durant. And you brought up something yesterday. I told you I put on the podcast, and you've got to pub that more, brother. <laughs> but I listened to that loud as it loud can be when I was in the shower and – I'm sitting here listening to it, and you brought up something that everybody was bashing you for with Durant. Mm-hmm. And it's like you said something to the effect of you were listening to Bill Simmons, who I used to love. I just, I still love him. I just haven't listened to him for three years. I've listened to maybe one or two podcasts since he left ESPN. Not because I don't like him, not because I don't find him entertaining. I just haven't. And you brought up Bill Simmons said something to the fact of on the show, Durant was saying that when he won the championship last year, with the Warriors, he didn't necessarily, it didn't, I'm not saying complete him, it didn't, how would you say what you said? No, it I, didn't I, really make, I, I, I think the way that you said it is pretty good, because I, I was struggling for the correct terminology, but it was basically, he thought he'd ascend to this mountaintop, he'd, he'd hit the highest heights you can as a basketball player, and it'd be, I don't know, Nirvana, and it wasn't. 
he said, well, there has to be more. You know, it wasn't it wasn't this cathartic moment that he was anticipating it was going to be. He was happy to win the title. That's, that's not what he was saying, but it wasn't what he he thought it would be when he finally got there. And and I do wonder if a part of that was this wasn't his team. He didn't do it in Oklahoma City after you know being a part of that rebuild, after they made the move from Seattle, him and Westbrook. It wasn't that. It wasn't going to a place that needed help. It was going to a place that had won 73 games. And I think it has to, at the very least, be a part of it. That's why I wonder if, if Kevin Durant, and you look at him, and boy, in Game 3, I mean, just going off, and we know how talented the guy is. There's times that you want more from him, no doubt, but you know how talented the guy is. If maybe just because of the way that he's wired, and, and he is wired differently than LeBron. I think he's wired th- differently than a lot of the superstars we've seen in the league throughout the last at least 30-plus uh, years that I remember. And because of that, if maybe he's a guy that would like to go to a rebuilding situation. I brought up the Knicks yesterday. That's one that maybe is just a rebuild that is a hill too hard. But a, a mid-level team, a team that is okay, they're a playoff team, but they are really a piece away. Because Golden State wasn't a piece away. Draymond oh, Green doesn't doesn't punch LeBron in the, you know. It, Stop that. Stop that. He played two games after that. Stop it. He didn't play game seven. And it happened in game six, right? Oh, now I'm forgetting. So he, or was it game five and he didn't play game six? Regardless of what it was. Yeah, it that, was. that aside, though, they didn't need Kevin Durant. If him going to, say, a team that's a playoff team, but they need just a, a guy that can score, a guy that can help out and push them over the mountaintop, if that would mean more, if that would complete him as a basketball player. Just a thought, just a wonder, because I don't like Kevin Durant because of where he went to. LeBron going to Miami, I didn't like that either. But this was a different level. This was a 73-win T-Wolf game that was so entertaining to watch, so much fun to watch. They were already more talented than most everybody else in the league. And then you add a top two or three player to that mix. I didn't like that part of it. Yeah, and, I, and I'm listening. To, I watched Jimmy Kimmel yesterday. I don't know if you saw yeah. it or, uh, before the last game anyway. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just fun to listen to like, J-Lo talk. And she's like a sports fan, and she watches the Golden State Warriors. And she knows enough about sports to go, that is gorgeous when they give a damn. Mm-hmm. When they walk, when they actually give a damn, and they are hitting, it's like nothing I've ever seen. Now, not they're not going to hit like that all the time. It's impossible. But she, you know, it's just funny watching J Lo go Gaga over somebody when all you know TMZ is all over her, and and she's the biggest star in the world. What X year, X amount of years ago, and she's so big with with A Rod now. But it's just fun to watch people that are hardcore Hollywood people that are big and making tons and tons and tons of money, they don't, you know, they don't care. They don't have to pump up Golden State, but they watch that and they go, I'm a sports fan. I'm not an expert, but I'm watching something that is just insane and crazy. And Durant decided to go there, Trent. That is something that I can't ever even comprehend that he did that. It was cool when LeBron did it to me. I know not you. Everybody hates him and hated him that he didn't go to college and he had a press conference and it was ego, ego, ego. Guess what? He's been the most popular dude ever for a long time. He's been had TV cameras in front of his face forever. So if he made you know, a few million dollars for this and that and did that, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. He decided to take the power out of the rich bleeps that we can't stand, Trent. The egomaniacs, he said, you know what? I play the game. I can do it better than you, which isn't true always. But he's like, enough. I'm going to get together with my best friend, says LeBron. Dwayne Wade. 
Mm-hmm. This probably isn't a good setup because we don't really fit. We don't really fit. The puzzle pieces don't really fit there. And then I'm going to get Chris Bosch, who can kind of fit in with anybody. You know, it's a big that can shoot outside. He decided to do that, take the power out of these rich owners, these dorks that think they know everything, which a lot of them do, some of them don't, and said, I'm going to put myself together a team, and let's do this. And they made it all pretend like it was Pat Riley. What, Pat Riley? Please, (laughs) give me a break. Stop that. But back to Durant. The, The thing I find interesting, you told me when I need to shut up, but I'm very interested. You brought this up. Like I said, I listened to your podcast yesterday, and it's like, what makes you happy, Trent? So Durant is basically saying, I reached the mountaintop, and I wasn't satisfied, I think is what I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. Didn't hear it, so if that's the wrong words, please tell me I'm wrong. But what makes Durant happy? He is very sensitive. We found out he has burner accounts, right? right. We found out he's going and replying to people that are bashing him about Westbrook. Westbrook is an alpha freaking male. And you know what? A lot of those people I can't stand. Sometimes an alpha male needs to back down and go, if I want to win, gee, I got one of the greatest players on the history of my team. Hey, Kevin Durant, I'm going to pass you. I'm telling you, I'm hating Westbrook more and more by day. Really? Yeah, I can't. I'm done. He's, I can't. I love watching him, but I'm, I'm sitting here watching Durant and what he's saying and how he wasn't happy even though he just won a championship, there are parts of your brain that we don't even know about. Unconscious, subconscious, Trent, I'm telling you, all this stuff in the back of your brain that he thought that that would make him happy, mm-hmm. he, there's a reason he's not happy. So it's interesting. You brought up the New York Knicks. I know how stupid that sounds, right? Right. It sounds stupid. But if you go to New York and bring them a championship with those fans and how crazy they will be and the amount of people that will be talking about you bringing New York a championship, it will be insane. In the back of my mind, I've I've always thought about LeBron going there and taking a championship to New York City in Madison Square Garden where those fans are insane, they're hardcore, they hate you, they love you. When you do that, when you do something like that, if Kevin Durant does that, yo, I got mad respect for him. I don't right now. He knows in the back of his head, Durant, Kevin Durant knows there is no reason anybody should have any respect for him right now, other than he's an all-time great. He didn't win that champ. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, Trent. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. And you know what? Whether he knew it in the front of his brain, the back of his brain, in between, the subconscious, unconscious, he knew damn well there's a reason I am not feeling as good as I should. That's fair. I, I think that's really fair. And and a good way to kind of put what people think of him and what he is. I, I, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what this is. The, the easiest thing to do is just stick together. And you do have to credit this group. You know, these guys took less money to play together. Durant could have broke the bank and got a max contract. And same thing with Curry. Same thing with a lot of these guys. But they wanted to stay around. They wanted to play together. Iguodala, Livingston. You know, those guys could have gone off and made more money at the end of their career. But they wanted to stick together, win a championship, and and you do have to give some credit there. But super teams, but Trent, Trent, you do get more credit for different championships. You do, yes. If absolutely. you're at the Lakers and you got Shaq playing with you mm-hmm. and everybody else, or if you win a championship in Cleveland, for God's sake, right? With the river, I think literally, am I am I making this up? Literally, let them lit on fire at one point back in 
that's got to be a joke. It no, has the, to be a joke. I, I believe it was the lake that started on fire. But yeah, I, I think maybe it was the river. Yeah, but you're right. Is yes. that, is that tr- how could that be possible? We have to look that up. Because I don't like saying crap that I don't know. I've heard this. It might be a joke. Anyway, the river or lake is polluted. Let's just say that. We can agree on that. Obviously, the Cuyahoga River joke- started on fire. 1969. Would you want to go play that? <laughs> I've been to Cleveland a few times. I've called some uh, games there, and I actually enjoyed Cleveland a lot. Now, I'm also you know, a guy from Iowa, so it doesn't take a whole lot here. I don't have options. I love but... Iowa. I don't know why no, you no, no. Iowa. No, but, I love but... Iowa, Trent. Let's stop there. Iowa is a great place. Oh, I'm I agree. Sure I agree. Like but it. There's no rivers or lakes lighting on fire here, but that's okay if you don't like Iowa. Let's put a commercial break in. <laughs> put words in my mouth. Not what I'm saying. I, I haven't had a whole lot of options. It's not like I was also calling games in Los Angeles and Cle- in, in Miami and New York. It was Cleveland and Buffalo and Pittsburgh. So those are the places that it were. So for me, Cleveland was fine, and, and I loved it. I went one day calling a game that night in the arena, and right next to it is Jacobs Field, and I went to a, an Indians game in the afternoon and then walked right over and called the game over there. That was one of my favorites. That's why I like Cleveland, and there are plenty of bars around. I can have a good time anywhere. That, that's all I'm saying, but that's, that's me. With that, let's take a break. Yeah, got, Trent, I'm not letting you off the hook here. You're going to have right, to apologize all, to Iowa. All right, all right. Everybody knows I love Iowa. Knock it off. I know you do, man. I know you do. Give you a knuckle sandwich. Coming back on the other side, we got to get Wolfgang in his cage. We're coming back with more in a moment.